All right, well, good morning again. Can somebody say good morning back to me just so I know you're with me. Good morning. There we go. Uh, if you have a Bible and you want to turn somewhere, you could start in Mark chapter 6, uh, but we're going to be in several different places this morning, beginning in Mark 6 here in just a second, and then back to the Old Testament, back to the New Testament. So be ready to follow along. Uh, this, earlier this week, this past week, Jessica and I had the opportunity uh, to travel back to where I went to college, to Abilene, and spend a few days on the ACU campus uh, for the ACU Summit, which that's their lectureship. It's a great time every year to reconnect with old friends, uh, to hear some good lessons, and really feel recharged. It's great for ministers. Uh, we know some students who are currently at ACU, so on Tuesdays, we go to Rosa's because it's Taco Tuesday, so we take some students to lunch, and we choose that day and that time because that's the cheapest meal in town. So we can say we took them to lunch, but we didn't have to spend a lot of money. Uh, so we go to Rosa's, we have Taco Tuesday, we're having these conversations with these current college students, and there's one word that kept reoccurring during our conversation. It's this word, Tired. They were all very tired. They were enjoying their college experience, but they were sleepy. They were exhausted, and they're only about a month into this semester. Uh, One of the guys that was with us is actually a full-time student, and he's playing a sport at ACU, and he's living in the dorms. So he said on a normal day, you get back into the dorms in the evening, and it doesn't really quiet down until a little after midnight, and that's when he begins doing his homework and begins studying. And he has to join his sports team by 6 a.m. the next morning. So he said he's averaging about two to three hours of sleep every night. I said, man, no wonder you're tired. Human beings are meant to function like that. You can get by like that maybe for a few days. Maybe some of you think you're tougher than you are, and you think that you could do that every night, but eventually something has to give. We can't live like that forever. Now, some of you who have already been to college, you may be thinking, yeah, I lived like that, but I don't anymore. I get the sleep that I need now. But as Americans, in our culture, we're kind of taught to believe that we always have to be doing something. We have to be busy. If we're not doing anything, we're being lazy And so we get addicted to always being on the move, always on the go. Even if you're not a college student and you get more sleep now, we just have these packed schedules going from one event to another. In fact, the way that we view time is interesting. Because the way we view time is we ask this question, what can I get out of it? Or how much can I get out of time? We have this amount of time, this many hours in a day when we're not sleeping. So how much can we produce? How much can we accomplish during this amount of time? In Mark chapter 6 is where we're starting this morning. There's a very interesting line, just one verse that I'm going to read. See, Jesus has sent his disciples out on two by two on their uh, mission trip, I guess you could call it. And they go out and they're preaching the kingdom of God. They're healing the sick, casting out demons, you know, trampling on the work of Satan. We don't know how long they're gone, but they come back and they report to Jesus in chapter 6 and verse 30 all that they had done. And look at what Jesus says in chapter 6 and verse 31. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves, and rest a while. For many were coming and going that they had no leisure even to eat. 
The NIV says, come with me by yourselves and get some rest. Maybe you need to hear that from Jesus today. I don't know how busy your life is. I don't know what's going on. we got so many people in this room right now that are coming from their own perspectives, but maybe you need to hear Jesus say that to you. Come with me by yourselves for a little while and get some rest. And this is more than just sleeping. This is actually resting in God. You see, if you want to follow someone, you can't go faster than the one you're following. So if we are disciples of Jesus and we're claiming to follow him, we can't get ahead of him. We have to go at his pace because he is our leader. So if he tells us, now it's time to stop, to unplug, and to get some rest, then maybe we should do that. Even in ministry or in, in our churches. You know, we have a vision and we want to fulfill that vision, but we ought to make sure we're keeping in pace with the pace that Jesus is setting for us. And maybe you as an individual, you just need to hear him say that to you today. Come with me for a little while and get some rest. Jesus started his ministry and ended his ministry on a similar note. He started his ministry when he's baptized. The Spirit led him into the wilderness for 40 days, and he fasted, and he spent time in solitude with God. And he ended his ministry in a similar way because before he was crucified, he went to the garden and he spent time alone praying with God. So we see that getting away for a little while and resting in God was crucial to the ministry of Jesus. And I'll have more on that in just a moment. If you want to look at another passage, I think this is our scripture reading this morning, but Genesis chapter 2. We're going to go all the way back to creation and we're going to look at this initiation of a day of rest, a day of Sabbath. So in Genesis 1, God creates the heavens and the earth, and then in Genesis 2, he's finished. And it says in Genesis chapter 2, and verse 2, on the seventh day, God finished the work he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. You see this repetitive, he rested from all the work he had done. He creates on six days, and then on the seventh day, he rested. And he made that day holy. The Hebrew word for Sabbath is this word Shabbat. If you've ever been to a Jewish synagogue, they may greet you by saying Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat, or Sabbath, literally means to cease or desist. To stop all work for a 24-hour period, just like God did. Okay, so you fast forward through Genesis... Make your way to the next book in the Old Testament, the story of Exodus. And by this time, the Israelites, God's people, they are slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. And as Israelites living in Egypt as slaves, their worth and their value is tied to how much they produce. They were required to produce bricks and a certain amount of them. So they use time to produce as much as possible. In a sense, maybe you could say they were addicted to producing or addicted to work. And then God brings them out of slavery through the Red Sea. Moses is leading the charge, and they're in the wilderness. Then Moses goes up on the mountain, and he receives the Ten Commandments from God. And I'm not going to read all ten of those, but if you want to look in Exodus chapter 20, I'm going to read one of those commands. A lot of the Ten Commandments, if you're reading from you know, an older version like the King James or the New King James, 
It's a lot of thou shall not. But the command that we're going to look at is a thou shall. This is what you should do. In Exodus chapter 20, I'm going to start in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor, do all your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So on that day, do no work. You, your son, your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and consecrated it. He made it holy. The Sabbath day, which God says is holy, a day of rest, is a reminder. It is for human beings. It's for us. It was for them to remind them that they're human beings, not human doings. That they need to take a day where they stop and they unplug and they rest. And although they get out of Egypt, it takes a while to get the Egypt out of them. Because their mindset is programmed to just work, 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 produce, produce, produce. And we have, within our grasp here in America, the American dream. Where we're blessed to be able to work and to make a living for our families. And in no way would, would I promote that we should be lazy and stop working. And this isn't an excuse to become lazy. But this might be a word for those of you who could be considered workaholics. Or addicted to producing Or always wanting to make more and more money that maybe God says, you need to rest. Because being busy or always working, that in and of itself becomes an idol or a God, a little g God. So in this series that I started a couple weeks ago, we're dethroning these different gods. And a lot of the series comes from a book called TechWise Family, written by a man named Andy Crouch. Uh, and through it, we're, I'm, I'm kind of using that as a springboard for this sermon series. And we've looked at the noise God and how we live in such a noisy world that we can become addicted to noise and it's hard to hear silence. But in that silence, we can draw near to God. Last week, we looked at the distraction God and how we're so distracted that maybe we fail to recognize the presence of God in our lives. And this morning, we're looking at the busy God. Always needing to be busy. The Barna Research Group has done several studies on several different fields of study, but one of the results that they had from one of their studies was that they discovered that only one out of seven adults take a day of rest during the week. So that means six out of seven adults are always on the go. There's always something to do, and they're always busy, and only one out of seven will take time to rest. They also discovered that only six out of every ten adults, or or actually six out of ten adults, never take a break from social media. So that means only four out of ten will occasionally take a break. But other than that, a majority of adults are always on social media. Now what you might be thinking right there is, what you went from talking about being busy and work to talking about social media. But I'm lumping them all together in the same category Because what we discover with this omnipresent technology and social media always available and email always available is that there's always something to do and we struggle with learning how to slow down and take a break. We don't rest very well. 
Uh, I'm about to read something from, we're, we're going to look at Mark chapter, Mark chapter 2, and then we're going to look at something from Luke chapter 4 if you want to flip over there. Um, as I was studying this week about how busy we are and how we fail to take a rest occasionally, uh, one of the things I noticed, because I'm, you know, I'm a sports guy, I like to watch sports, uh, there is a huge rise in the last decade in injuries for youth baseball and softball and other sports, all the way up to teenagers and then into young adults, men that are now playing professional baseball. There's been a huge spike in orthopedic surgeries and elbow injuries and shoulder injuries and knee injuries. So a lot of orthopedic surgeons were interviewed by the New York Daily Times And the number one reason they said there is this huge increase in injuries is because there is a lack of rest. That there was a time where, say, baseball or softball was your sport, you would play that, dedicate yourself to that during the summer, and then in the fall you do something else. But now we play year-round. There's summer ball, fall ball, winter, spring, and you just keep going. And they said, because your body's not really getting the break that it needs, your bodies start to break down. Something has to give. And even those who are younger, who are in major leagues now, are having more surgeries because they've played since the time they were little kids all the way through now, and their bodies start to give. And these doctors will tell us, you're not a machine. Your body has to have time to rest. So there's this Olympic runner named Bernard Lagat. He was a four-time U.S. Olympic runner. He had a long career. He was an elite runner from his early 20s to his late 30s. And usually when you get to that age, your body starts to fail you and you can't compete at the level you once were able to. But even up until his late 30s, he was still competing, still an Olympic runner. And he says the reason is because he took time to rest. Five weeks out of every year, there was a five consecutive weeks where he just took time off. He didn't do a, a push-up. He didn't do a sit-up. He didn't run. He just let his body rest and heal. And most trainers would say, that's crazy. You can't take that much time off. You're going to lose some of the progress that you made. But despite the warnings, he said, no, my body needs this because he said the same thing the orthopedic surgeons said. The same thing I would say to the college students, you're not a machine. Something has to give. At some point, you have to rest. And maybe we miss that in Scripture, but when we look at Scripture, we see a reminder that God tells us to take some time to rest. And the ministry of Jesus, you know, you can fast forward from uh, the Exodus story all the way to the times of the Gospels when Jesus was on the scene They practiced the Sabbath day, a day of rest, a holy day where they did no work. But the problem is it had become legalism. The way they viewed honoring the Sabbath day was so legalistic. They created all these different rules on what was considered work and what wasn't considered work. They even had drawn out how long you could walk. And if you walk beyond a certain amount, then that's considered work. And then here comes Jesus, who honored the Sabbath day. And we see in the Gospels that every time there was a Sabbath day, Jesus was in the synagogue, worshiping and teaching. But the religious leaders had a problem with Jesus because he would heal people on a Sabbath day, and they considered that work. 
So Jesus had this back and forth going with the religious leaders about what is the purpose of the Sabbath day and how we keep it. And then he gives us this reminder in in Mark chapter 2, verse. let me just flip over there. Mark chapter 2 and verse 27, he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So your NIV may say, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus reminds them of the purpose of Sabbath keeping. It was for us to rest just like God rested. Now I know we're no longer under the old law, so we don't keep the Sabbath day. We don't keep the commands like they would have all 613 commands that we find in the Torah. But we keep with us this idea that it's important to stop and to rest. And one of the things that we see in Jesus' own life and ministry is that not only did he take times for rest, but he had a rhythm to work and to rest. Now this is where we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to look at this rhythm that Jesus had in his life and his ministry. In Luke chapter 4, Luke gives us one of these summary statements. He says, As the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various kinds of diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on each of them and cured them. So if you have a mental picture in your mind, you can just picture large crowds of people all coming to see Jesus so that he could lay his hands on them. Sick people. But that's not it. In verse 41, demons also came out of many, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and not allowed them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. So it's not just sick people, it's people who are demon-possessed. Who the power of darkness, the power of Satan has bound them up. So there's all these people coming to Jesus, needy people. People in great need. And Jesus is helping them, but Jesus also honors these human limitations that we have. In verse 42, it says, At daybreak he departed and went to a solitary place. Now the crowds were looking for him, but just pause right there that first part. You all these needy people, but he takes time to leave people in great need to go off to a solitary, deserted place to be with God. Luke starts to show us this rhythm of life and ministry that Jesus had. A rhythm of work and ministry and being with people and then a rhythm of resting in God and being alone in God. In Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 15, But now more than ever, the word about Jesus spread abroad. The word is spreading. People are hearing about Jesus. Many crowds would gather to hear him and to be cured of their diseases. But he would withdraw to a deserted place and pray. Again, large crowds coming. People in great need. He was with them. He helped them. He's with people. But then he's off by himself, alone with God, resting in God, praying, solitude, fasting, some of those spiritual disciplines. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. Now during those days he went out to the mountain to pray. So again we get this glimpse of Jesus going off by himself and he spent the night in prayer to God. When I read through this rhythm of life that Jesus had, I can't help but think, if Jesus needed this, 
How much more do I need it? Because I'm reminded, wait a minute, I'm not a machine. There's limitations to what I can do, what I can accomplish. There's limitations to what you can do and what you can accomplish. And there's times, these rhythms that are built into our lives where we have to just step aside, trust that God is in control and everything's going to be okay, and just take a break. And not just to go to sleep, but to rest in God, to connect with God, to pray, and to be alone like Jesus was here. Maybe uh, you're like me, and you're getting ready for bed. You're at the time of the day when your body is tired and sleepy, and it's time to rest. And then you have your phone out because they're just always available, and you check your email. And then you find yourself wide awake at 2 a.m. Anybody ever done that? Why? Because our bodies have these rhythms where we're supposed to wind down and shut down and go to sleep, but then you check your email, something that's probably work-related, and then your mind starts wondering, and you start thinking about all the things that you have to do, or this project that's not yet completed, or this person that you need to talk to, and you're lying in bed when you should be sleeping and resting, and instead, your whole rhythm is thrown off. And that's where the issue, the problem of this omnipresent technology comes in. Now, because of technology... We're blessed. A lot of things are a lot easier. In fact, if you just look at the culture we live in, there's a lot less manual labor because of the technological advances that we have. We have a lot of machines that can do the work for us, or we have the ability to make work easier on us. It's easier to type than it is to write. My fingers don't get as tired. You know, there's a lot of things that that are made easier for us but also, it's always available. So for those of you, maybe you work Monday through Friday. If we're not careful, Saturday and Sunday may start to look just like Monday and Tuesday. You just may not be at the office. But with the ability to take all of the technology home with us, we have trouble shutting things off and saying, this is not the proper place. The proper place for that is at work. The proper place at home is to be here with my family and to spend time with God. But our proper place gets all mixed up because it's always present, it's always available. So maybe one of the things that we can do is take on this discipline of Sabbath, of rest. And again, not in a legalistic way, not in a way where I'm saying, no, we need to go back to on the seventh day of the week, on Saturday, from sundown until sundown the next day, that we take 24 hours off. That's not exactly what I'm saying, but I'm saying we copy the idea of rest. And taking a day where we don't have a to-do list, and we don't have work, and we, we don't even have our devices with us, and we just take a day of rest. And this book, TechWise, family, Andy Crouch has these commitments that he tells us about. As he raised his children, they had several commitments that they stuck with. And I've read through the book. I admire the man. I don't take on all the same commitments. But one of the commitments that he had with his family was one hour every day, one day every week, and one week every year where they would take an electronic Sabbath. So for one hour out of each day, their family took a a short Sabbath break from their devices, usually around dinner time, and it was all put aside, and they actually did this human interaction with each other. 
So one hour every day, and then one day out of each week, they would put it all aside, put work aside, put their devices aside, and they would actually just spend time together. And then one week out of the entire year, where they'd go somewhere, go on a trip. And he said that he would set his email with an automated response to whoever would email him, and it would respond to them saying, I'm on a trip, I will never see this email. If you want to get this information to me, resend it next week. And it would just immediately go to a trash pile. So it wasn't put on hold, he just never received it. And he said, you know, we'd go on a trip and we would have our devices with us for GPS or checking the weather, but other than that, we just put them aside and we would take an electronic Sabbath. But it was commitments like that that was a crucial part of discipling his own children. But it was this idea of unplugging and taking some time. Um, One of the stories that fascinated me was I was studying for this sermon. It was this astronaut named William Pogue. Maybe you've heard of this before. In 1974, he went on a mission uh, to outer space with other astronauts. And they worked on the Skylab space station for 84 days. And about halfway through it, they were exhausted. So they sent a request back to ground control to readjust the schedule. They said they were overscheduled. And after all, this is the only time they're going to be in space. So they wanted some time to just look out the window and soak it all in. So they got word back. Their request was denied. They said, you have too much important work to to be done, so just keep working. So William Pogue was the first astronaut or the first person to go on strike while in space. They just went on strike, and the other astronauts followed along, and they said, okay, you're not going to readjust the schedule. We're not going to do any work. So they had to compromise. They readjusted their schedule, and he said, finally, we had time to just be human beings, to look out into space and to just contemplate. But because of that, their work became more effective because they actually had some time built into their schedule to rest. And he said what the orthopedic surgeon said, what that Olympic runner said, what I said to the college student, we're not machines. We're human beings, not human doings, so occasionally we have to take time to rest in God. I was reading a book earlier this week. A man and his wife decided that they were going to take a day of Sabbath, take a day of rest. So on their day off, they put away, for his wife, it was the to-do list. She lived by a to-do list every single day, so she just put it aside for that day. He put aside his phone and his computer, and they just said, okay, what do we do? And he said the first few weeks was excruciating because they realized they're bored. But the reason they were bored is because they're so addicted to being busy all the time. They're addicted to when they're bored, to grabbing their phones and scrolling through their phones to prevent them from even realizing that they're bored. But sticking with that discipline of rest eventually changed their relationship and helped deepen their faith and their relationship with God. Now we say all this, and the last passage I want to point you to is Psalm 23. It's a very famous psalm. Um, The Lord is my shepherd. And as we read part of Psalm 23, think about also John chapter 10, how Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So Jesus is making claim that he is the good shepherd. But you know this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. And probably most of us who are older, my age or older, we have it memorized with the King James Version, or the New King James Version. So he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. So the psalmist tells us that God is the restorer of souls. But how does he do it? Look at the very beginning what he says. He makes me lie down in green pastures. So he restores your soul by making you stop and rest. One author named Vance Havner said, if you don't come apart for a while, you will come apart in a while. If you don't stop and rest at some point, eventually you're just going to come apart altogether. If we want to flourish with God, we have to spend time resting in God. When we rest, we're reminded that God is in control. There's just something about taking time off where you say, you know what, I trust that this world, this church, this town, wherever you work, ultimately God is in control, and so I can just stop for a moment and let God be in control. And He is our good shepherd, and He will restore our souls if we come to Him and we let Him guide us. If we follow Jesus, we keep in pace with the pace that Jesus is setting and not the one that we want to set. Uh, this morning, we, uh, we're going to do what we, we normally do, and we offer a chance for you to respond. We offer an invitation. Uh, so you have an opportunity. I don't know uh, what your life is looking right now, but if you need a chance to reconnect or you're ready to commit and become a disciple of Jesus, we have shepherds of this flock of this church that will be in this building towards the back scattered around and you can go see one of those shepherds right now we encourage you to take advantage of this time if you need to come up front we will be up here to receive you as well but you have a chance to respond and we encourage you to do that right now if we stand and continue singing See.